Terry from the North. Terry. What's up, Terry? Well, first of all, I'm not going to be as nice as Big Joe was to the UW. It's getting and pretty tough. I know, the talent, I know the talent is young, but it's coaching. I, coaching, coaching, coaching. Even last night, I turned on to listen, and very seldom do I do this, to the people who cover the Badgers on the radio, and they were even going after Greg Gard. If you go on this press conference. So, wait, says, Terry. Oh, this guy. No, let me finish. Why is he coaching? He's got to get himself in position to make a shot. This guy here, what about you, Greg Gard? Where is your coaching? Oh, you know, you were given a Cadillac, and now you're driving a Ford Pinto. This guy has totally destroyed this program. If Bull Ryan could have kept his pants up, he'd probably still be coached today. Terry, it's did you simple. watch the team play last season? I did, but it was talent. It wasn't coaching. But there's here's the thing. Why. Wait, wait, wait. Here's the thing. No, there's a reason why. Here's the thing. When they win, in the, in the first week when they win, it's not him. But when they lose, it's all him. Yet the team as a whole shot 5 of 11 from the free throw line and 38% from the field. And like, why is like which one is it? It's a combination of both. Probably not it's the best coaching job of, of his both. career. And they're missing shots. They're missing layups. There were 10 it of 22 from the paint. It's because of technique. It's because of coaching and practice. It's because of a coaching of style. Now, I understand they're young. You know, your best player right now is probably a sophomore. That last drive last night, why they didn't pass the ball at least twice to give him a, a three times, to give him a better situation to take that final shot. And I know people are going to argue about the refereeing. And, you know, and the one thing I've noticed about college basketball is when a guy used to dip his shoulder and put it into a defender's chest, he used to get hit with an offensive foul. Now we can do it too. Giannis does it as many as three times. That play is no longer called unless it's to an unusual referee, and that's where the consistency has been coming in. But with that all being said and done, this team is not very well coached, and there's a reason why you lose. And you can always blame the talent. You can always we can you know we can blame the talent under Paul Chris when he got out coached against Ohio State. Well, we out coached Leonard. We can blame. The, the team and the Badgers football team lost to Minnesota. The simple thing of it is you won a game against Ohio State in basketball because of an idiot coach who gets lit up for four technicals or, two, or a technical. They get four, shot, four shots in the ball. I believe it was a six-point play if memory serves me right. Your problem is coaching. Coaching. Co- and you've got an athletic director who's got balls. And he's not going to sit back much longer and watch this. Well, Again, you Terry, back we'll... to that last five minutes, you were outcoached by a team that's got nothing better than mediocre players and an average coach. You lost at home. Home to a mediocre team that what they also missed free throws at the end. They shot what, 37? I don't know what Northwestern shot. I think they, Northwestern had one free throw in the first half. Yeah, but they were 8 for 13 for the game. I don't mean to listen, listen, Terry, listen, Terry. This is not the best coaching job of guards career. I would argue the biggest thing you can hold against him is the fact that the portal hall was not enough. And after young Terry, great guards went nowhere but down since he's taken. Terry, did you watch the team last year? Like, are we going to overreact to losing to Northwestern when the team we've watched them all season? They're just not very good. We had a lottery pick last year. But is it talent last year, Terry, or is it coaching? 
Because when they succeed, you won't give him credit. But when they lose, it's all his fault. No, that's not it. If that's the case, a coach would never get fired. If that's the case, young Ben Kenny, a coach would never get fired. Listen, I'm not saying it's his best job this season, but but it's not because of the last two minutes of the game. Listen, they ran out of timeouts. Ryan left, and you're driving a Ford Pinto. All right. See, Terry, I actually program totally down. Terry, I kind of agree right. with you watching the end of that game, but I mean, we'll we'll get into it. I do have some Greg Gard clips that we're going to play here coming up later in the but show. With the people who cover you, who are the biggest homers in the state of Wisconsin, even more of a homer than you are, Ben Kenny. <laughs> ripping, That's funny. I'm not usually called a homer. I'm I've usually called the opposite. In 30 years of 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 listening to sports talk and listening to sports radio, I've never heard. A station last night on the post game show ripped Greg Gard like he was ripped before. Because it was a bad and loss. Yeah, go back. Let's just, I'll end it with this. Go back to the last series. You have the guy come down the floor. There's no passing. And first of all, you, you're down to one timeout with what, six minutes left? Terry, let me ask you God. this. If Chucky Hepburn makes that shot at the end, are you still calling in with this today? Absolutely, because so what? You I don't think Western. so. I don't think so. I everybody no. when they lose, they come out and they say, "Oh, look, it's all the coach's oh, fault." But if they make they three more free Wisconsin throws, excuse. they win the game. That is such a Wisconsin excuse. They should have lost to Ohio State, and Ohio State sucks. Also, I know the team isn't very good, Terry. I'm going to correct you. It wasn't just the the final possession of the game. I think it was the final two, three, four possessions of the game. That was what they went with. But, guys, there's a reason why the Big Ten is normally out in the first weekend. All of them, if not the majority of a Big Ten basketball, I'm sure they win in December, and they play up in it every year, except for maybe one team, the Big Ten is out the first weekend. And they bring in more teams than anybody else in the country. Why is that? Why is that? Because, number one, is they, they hammer at each other, and the three quarters of the Big Ten is subpar. You may have one. I disagree with that, but. Okay, let me ask you. This year it is. Last year it was not. Uh, Again, we're looking at all of the information from the last three weeks as if it's always been the case. In the Big Ten right now, how many players will be drafted in the first round in the NBA? I don't know the answer to that. And you know what? Probably one. And last year you had. I would say more. One or two? Four? You know, and you had a sophomore that went to the NBA, and you still couldn't win at home. All right, guys, I'll get out of here. I'm just telling you what. I, no, I don't call just because they lost, because I'm not a homer. And, uh, Nelson, you know that. I'm telling you the truth. This coaching, it, it, like, again, for the third time, Greg Gard was given a pink Cadillac. And he's driving a Ford left, whatever. And now okay. you're driving a small little Ford Pinto. He's taking his program nowhere but down. All right. Thanks, Thanks for the call, Terry. You guys have a great day. Go Cubs. <laughs> Appreciate it. Listen, I'm not here to defend guard entirely. I think it's been a poor coaching job, clearly. But it's not just black or white. It's not when, when they succeed, you can't just say, oh, they had good players. But then when they fail, you say, oh, it's all Coach Guard's fault. I can't wait to get in and talk more Wisconsin basketball, especially after last night because um, – People were going through it. People were going through it last night on Twitter. People were going last night through DMs and messages. I watched that game, and 
the Wisconsin Badgers started that game out ice cold. Connor Asijan had open looks and couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Now, he got red hot in the second half, mm-hmm. but he started cold. Do we have a report out for, the, like, missing persons? Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell. Do we know where they're at? They got worse at old man basketball. Dude, Tyler Wall is terrible. Two feet back back to the basket. You know, they used to just be able to make that little turn and up and under. and Like Robbie, Robbie Hummel is on the broadcast ripping Tyler Wall multiple times. Like, hey, this is a guy that was pretty good. And in the past, he consistently made these shots in this season. He's not making them. Mm-hmm. It's brutal to watch. And RJ, I remember we had the, this was early in the season when Wisconsin was even shooting the ball better, but me and you were running the Wisconsin Badgers missed, uh, hey, yeah. missed bunnies meter. <laughs> yeah. We got to nine in like the first yeah. five and that minutes. Was, remember that was against Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And that was a game which even with some of the refereeing and the missed calls, yeah. they were right they in were it. Right it was overtime. They we won. literally had, n- there was nine missed bunnies in that yeah. game. Do you know the difference between last year and this year for Tyler Wall? What's that? He's actually the focal point Mm -hmm. of the offense, which means attention. Dude, and and his free throw shooting. With attention comes pressure, and with pressure comes some jumpy play, we'll say. The the free throw shooting is, I think, the worst part. That that has to be in his head, right? don't feel that pressure. That has to be in his head, right? Like, he went from all of a sudden being like, wasn't he like a 70% free throw shooter to now like 40? He wasn't that good last year, but it's definitely gotten worse. Uh, You had Greg Gard come out, and uh, I'll draw a comparison from the Packers to the Badgers for a second. Uh, Greg Gard came out during the postgame and was talking about there are obviously 5 of 11 from the line. Gard said there were also 10 of 22 in the lane area, which is pretty much layups and some of them are contested. Some of them, as we saw with Crowell, not very contested. It kind of reminded me of after one of the worst Packers showings this year, I forget which, when Matt LaFleur led his Monday presser listing all of the missed tackles they had pretty much saying, and that was a message of LaFleur saying it doesn't matter how, how Joe Barry calls the defense or doesn't matter this or that when you miss every, I think it was the Eagles game, by the way. Remember that where they just could not wrap up. He pretty much said it doesn't matter what you do when you can't finish plays. And I think this is guard doing something similar. He's saying, okay, like, like, yeah, we have open looks. We're not making them. And the end of the game management was poor. But at the end of the day, if you're 10 of 22 from the lane area as a team, that's not going to score a lot of points. You're going to lose every game you play. Oh, absolutely. So at some point you just have to finish plays and Tyler wall is part of that. So is crowd. Yeah, here is guard talking about Tyler Wall. I mean, he's got to find a way to, whether we run stuff for him or find his way to get his hands on more balls off the glass. You know, one rebound is not, I think he can help us more than that. And he's got to finish in the paint too. He's got to be able to convert when we do, and he's got to command it more. And yes, he should be finding a way to, to get more than five field goal attempts. I don't know if I want him taking more than five field goal attempts when he can't put it in from three feet away. Well, it was tough last night because they doubled him. Well, well, can we, so they were doubling everyone in the post. Now, Wisconsin in the first game against Northwestern where they lost a close one at Northwestern. Remember Nicholson got in foul trouble and they really don't have any backup big men for the most part. Absolutely not. And Wisconsin 
early on, they got Nicholson in foul trouble again. And you know who didn't get any touches? Crowell and Wall. And then when they did get touches, even against backups, they couldn't make bunny shots that were open. How are you supposed to win the game? Connor Decision got hot. Chucky Hepburn had stretches where he was shooting the ball well. We'll get into the final minute. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, how did you have – they really only had, like, two touches while Nicholson was in foul trouble. He was in foul trouble again, and they hardly went down there. And you would have your biggest advantage. Boom, right there. Don't be freaking soft. Literally just – Instead of missing these layups, just dunk it. I don't care. Dunk it at this point. This is where I'll defend guard, though. Nicholson said, get out of my way, little beep, and dunked it. He even kicked Wall. Saw that. Yeah, this is where I'll defend guard, though, where, yes, there are moments in the game that I disagree with from a coaching perspective, and clearly there was not enough done to bolster the roster in the offseason, in the portal. But at the end of the day, when you have someone who is your leader and – supposedly one of your best players who's a big guy who comes away from the game with one rebound and five shot attempts. And even on those shot attempts, when he is open, he can't hit them anymore. How, like at at what point can the coach do anything? Like at some point you just need to make the buckets, right? Yeah. Like at some point the guys out there need to actually finish the plays. Well, here's the thing. You can only use that excuse for the coach for so long. You can't go three, four, five years and say, well, you know, Greg Gard can't play defense. Greg Gard can't make free throws. Greg Gard can't hit shots. Well, it's been three weeks. I, at some point, well, at some throws point. Free have been declining ever okay, since sure, but, he took over. But it's not as if this is a long-term. Like, last year was really good. This year is really bad in a lot of ways. And I, I'm using it for this game. Yeah. And for their struggles in general, because they are getting open looks. Like ever, everyone always wonders why guard doesn't call plays out of timeouts. Now, last night was bad at the end of the game, but previously there were a lot of instances where he called great plays. They had wide open looks, and Asijin would just miss it. No, last night I'm I'm with Terry from the call earlier this morning. Last night, what what did Greg Guard do besides hey? Let's clear this out for Chucky Hepburn. I think it was it wasn't only their last possession. It was like the last two, three, four possessions of the game. It was basically, hey, let's clear it out. Let's give Chuck it up, Chucky, a shot. And he missed. He looked terrible. And then he wanted a foul and the guy didn't even touch him. So yeah. so to me, that's not where the game was lost. And I disagree with with how it was handled and how they went into that final four minutes. But I don't think like, yeah, obviously they had a chance to win and they're down by one. But if you play even an an adequate game of basketball, you're up by six or seven in that spot. Well, yeah, you're five of 11 shooting free throws. You, you couldn't have started out colder in the first half. You had opportunities down low with missed bunnies. It, yeah, they could have won this game a million different times, but the fact that you had an opportunity and your last two, three, four possessions was literally Chucky ISO for terrible shots. That's on guard to a point. I get if it happens once, but it happened multiple times in a row in the last two minutes, and Chucky Hepburn was taking awful shots. They didn't run any offense. It was it was basically Chucky Hepburn, go get a basket. I could do that. Ben, you could coach and say that. <laughs> like that last night, the last two minutes, that was terrible coaching. I agree with uh, Terry but also, they had so many opportunities before that that wasn't Guard's fault to still win the game. So I think there can still be bad coaching the last two minutes and also bad playing, which isn't his fault because it shouldn't have had to come down to that. 
but because they played so horribly, you couldn't make free throws. You missed a ton of open shots. You couldn't make shots at the rim. It came down to that, and it was ugly. And this team, they scored 52 points. They got swept by Northwestern for the first time in like 25 years. Yeah, That's, that's terrible. Well, that's my whole point is I, I think it was mismanaged. And uh, going forward, I would like to see more done. The biggest issue here, frankly, is that when you look across the roster, like last year, you need a bucket. Who do you go to? Johnny Davis. Easy. Here, how many, like, can you point to to other options where you're just like, okay, you need one shot. Who takes it? I don't know. It's a hot hand situation. Here, yeah. let me, let me. tells you enough about the fact that they aren't talented or deep enough to be well equipped for those positions. So I think it was mismanaged. Uh, and I will put that at the end on the head coach. But the loss as a whole, I, I think, is a bigger picture problem with the team. Here, let think about this before we go to the phones real quick. You said now that Tyler Wall has become more of like a focal piece, he hasn't played as well this season in general. Yep. Chucky Hepburn also had to step up and be the guy because Johnny Davis isn't here. He's been very inconsistent. Because look, now, at, look it, at the shots he has to take. Now, right? like there's not enough space created by the team, so he's having to take these ISO dribbles, one on one, step back threes. That last shot, he had a lot of space. Yeah, where I, what I'm getting <laughs> in at general, yeah. is yeah, if no, I know. Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell, and Chucky Hepburn are supposed to be your three best players, and two out of those three have now become more focal points that they really weren't last year, and all of a sudden we're seeing them struggle. Are they really that good? Think about that for a second. If if they if they all of a sudden have to be the guy and consistently it doesn't look good, are they really that good, even though they're supposed to be two out of your three best players? Let's go to the phone, 608-321-1670. Line one, who do I got? This is Vagabond John calling in from beautiful Orlando, Florida. How are we doing? Ooh, Vagabond. Good. I was seeing some of your tweets last night, and I had to say I might have agreed with some of them. What's up, John? Uh, yeah, I was very drunk at uh, Universal Studios. Turns out I was not a theme park guy before this week. Turns out all of them here have like great drink deals, and now I'm in. I'm a, I'm a theme park guy. So. <laughs> what does a great drink deal mean? What is it normally twenty five dollars, uh, and now it's twelve? No, like the, the beers are ten bucks, but they're really big. <laughs> and I'm like, I, this is more. It's not a deal. The same pour at the Blue Moon in Madison. You know, if I get a Blue Moon beer here and it's ten dollars and it's twenty four ounces, hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's five bucks every twelve can. You know, twelve ounce can of beer. Not, I was expecting much, much worse. I got gotcha. you. Recently been in Vegas. Let's put it that way. I got gotcha. you. Uh, main reason I'm calling today is there is a lot of Chucky Hepburn discourse going on out there. Uh, was it Mike Keller? Is that a guy in Milwaukee? He tweeted out, you know, we needed the guards to step up, and Connor Estegen is the only one that did. Chucky Hepburn had a Johnny Davis game last night. If you look at what Johnny Davis averaged from the floor, shooting about 40% from the floor, actually, Chucky was much more efficient from three. Uh, you know, if one of those, one more bucket goes in, he is equaling Johnny Davis's points per game. And I'm here to argue that. We actually need more games like last night from Chucky Hepburn. Wow. 40% hit, leading the team in scoring with 17. How do you say Connor's the only guard that stepped up when your leading scorer was a guy knocking down 60% from three? He's also the only guy creating on his own. 
where they're down in the shot clock so often because guys get doubled and others on the court aren't creating their own shot. He's like, he's the only one that's actually creating shots. Yeah. And I really do think last night was kind of fluky with the free throws because, you know, Connor misses that front end of the one-on-one. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But Boo Booey missed the front end of the one-in-one too. So it it almost evened out and Boo Booey is a better free throw shooter than him. That's true. Yeah, it can't be fluky when you consistently lose games because you don't make free throws. But it wasn't Wall taking it today. That that was my big thing last night is, man, watching the first half when Wall goes out, all of a sudden, you know, there was a possession where all five players touched the ball. (laughs) It whipped around the swing, and we found Connor for a wide open three. And I'm like... Was that the possession where they doubled Hepburn in the post? Because that was hilarious. No, no, that was... uh, Crowell got the ball. They came over for the double. He kind of waited a little longer than I would have liked. Then he threw it to Clevin, who then whipped it across. The, it was just like, whoa. You know, once in a while, you get that flash, you know, offensive possession. But anytime Wall gets the ball anywhere near the post, it sticks to him. And then he tries to dribble through three guys and put up a shot put attempt. I just think. We are in a tough spot when you're watching the game yesterday and thinking to yourself, man. Carter Gilmore is finishing the best at the rim for any of our big men. Oh, God, he had a turnaround, Jay. Uh, (laughs) That's where you're at, though. That's where you're at. I started to talk a little bit earlier this year about how I thought Greg Gard's biggest weakness as a coach was actually player development. Because you look at Marcus Silver and you look at Chris Hodges on the bench, both top 150 recruits, and, you know, they're in year two. At this point of Nigel Hayes' career, he was a major contributor in the Final Four team. These guys can't even sniff the bench on the bottom of the Big Ten team. So I'm wondering, like, where are these players' talent just coming to die? Um, and the rebuttal to my point was, no, no, look at Tyler Wall. Look how far he's come. And I'm I'm just not here for that. So, Yeah, new information me. has uh, come out that would say that – uh, there has not been a big jump from year three to year four for Tyler Wall. For me, for me, it's just identifying that early and seeing that, no, he hasn't added anything to his game. And volume, people will point to the Kansas game. I'm like, he shot like 40% from the field and zero of those shots were from outside of five feet, guys. Like, <laughs> I understand you look at the stat line, you think it's good, but he's not taking turnaround fadeaway, you know, shots from the elbow like Chucky. Last point I wanted to make, Greg Gard is so, so, so lucky that he did not have to play a tough Big Ten schedule last year. If he had to play Illinois twice, remember Illinois is the co-Big Ten champs last year, I don't think we're talking about two Big Ten championships in three years. That entire argument dies, and I think a lot more of the fan base is on board with making a coaching change quickly. I mean, they beat Purdue twice. It's what? They beat Purdue twice, who was... Yeah, but Purdue what, one of the top teams in the country, at least talent-wise? Oh, yeah, for sure. They had good games, but they weren't the Co-Big Ten champs. Remember, the only thing that matters now is whether or not you have champion at the end of your name at the end of the season. What happens in the tournament doesn't matter. It's, cha- were you a champion? And uh, to me, you know, watching that Nebraska game at the end of last season, that's not kind of like, wow. They really had a shot here, didn't they? But, all right. I'll leave you with this, Vagabond. In 2023, we're all champions, and we're all going to get our participation trophy. (laughs) Oh, God. Another hot topic when it comes to one of our Wisconsin teams is the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers 
was at Pebble Beach this week playing in the Pro-Am. And not only just playing, but winning the Pro-Am. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Silverman win the Pro-Am. Now, it was shortened to two days due to weather instead of the three. But Aaron Rodgers... No, they finished it. I thought they only had the two because they cut the... No, they finished it yesterday morning. They really? picked up from where they left off on because on, I uh, I was when I was watching the coverage they were talking about how they were cutting off the last day. They well amateurs don't play the last day normally, or maybe there are a couple that do, but they did cut off they they cut it after three, so they finished the third day. Everyone always does play the third, but it's the fourth. Yeah, the the fourth is where they cut it and said we're done um, because. I, Fifth, I think it was the top twenty-five amateurs were supposed to move on for Sunday. Right, but they were, but they were out there Sunday morning. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's when they finished the third round, um, because of and that's why the they cut off the fourth on round. Saturday. Um, but yeah, he he won, and the the handicap thing is a big topic about why he was playing at a ten, uh, and and many and listen, I I'll say this uh, for those that want to question the fact that Rogers won. Larry Fitzgerald is the king of kind of cooking a handicap to help him with shots. And he kind of perfected the art. Rogers is, I guess, falling in line, I guess, a, a bit here. So, yeah, no, he, he won. Uh, but whenever you have Rogers in a public eye, obviously there will be questions asked. And, I, I, like, it, it became a, a massive topic, and, and he didn't want to talk about it. But every single interview I saw him do, it was never like, hey, you know, what club did you hit into six? Or how did you deal with, with the wind or the or the elements? It was all just, uh, Aaron, where are you playing next season? As if he's going to break the news on a CBS golf broadcast. Wasn't thrilled with it. Yeah, what? It was, what was that, Thursday? They had the Aaron, where are you going to be playing next year? And he said, not San Fran. And then the reporter said, well, you'd look good in a, in a Cowboys uniform. Before we get into it, let's go to the phone, 608-321-1670, line one. Who do we got? You got the Badger Pipeline from the North Cullen. Troy, how we doing on Monday? What's up, Troy? We're doing all right. Um, I got to go back and get one comment on the last session, but your 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 newest uh, hour session here is I personally cannot wait for New York Jets or whoever to come and get this trade over with. I um, Football's over with, and here we are. I'm watching a little bit of the Pebble Beach, and we're getting interviewed by beautiful Amanda on TV with Aaron Rodgers, and she is saying, you know, she's trying to get information out of him. He says, well, some of the fans are saying, bring it. Devontae wants you back. And it's just like, oh, I just, I just. Yeah, but you know he loves it, Troy. Like, uh, like she, she asked him the question, and we'll play the audio coming up here in a bit. And he, he could have said, oh, I don't know. I'm not dealing with that now. And finished it, but instead he talked for 30 seconds about how passionate people were about the Raiders. Right. And he could have said, hey, my favorite color is green and gold, but he didn't say that, you know. Um, <laughs> and that had nothing to do with, hey, I'm going back to Green Bay or anything, but he would have said, hey, Talked about the weather in Miami. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, he, he's, he does this every year. I remember like two years ago, it was one of the most enjoyable off seasons when you didn't have all this stuff with the guy, but it just keeps on coming. Troy, back. I don't get because I'm getting tired of it too, but I don't get why people in the media keep enabling him because we know this yeah. is what he likes. Like Aaron Rodgers, he is. I think it's Mark Murphy that says he's a different cat. Like we know yeah. that, but quit yeah. enabling him because he laughs and gets his rocks off to this stuff, and right. everyone else just scoffs at it. 
Stop yeah, asking him the question. In terms of Rogers, though, what what Troy said about the question being asked, I, I agree with you that I don't want it asked by the golf people, but also put yourself in their shoes. They don't. Well, it's like they all think that he's going to tell them what his answer is going to be or what's going on when we know that that's never going to happen. Obviously, I, which like I myself as someone who follows everything that he says for the content of the shows uh, can notice that. But think about if you are them and you have a large audience and you don't usually traffic in the areas of Rogers and football and news and, you know, where will he go? There's an opportunity there to ask and then to post the clip and everyone's going to play it and listen to it. I mean, as a golf, as the golf media people, I, I think I, you could see why they do it. So, so I'll defend them there. What else are they like? Like they're, they're not going to Every time not ask I him. see another clip of Aaron Rodgers, it's me banging my head against the wall. But part of that is because of how he answers it. He could easily just say, I don't know. And then move on. But he doesn't. Because he gets his rocks off to what everyone goes and runs and says, oh, did you see Aaron Rodgers? He said he'd like to play with Devontae Adams. Oh, you see that he he said that the, the Raider fans were awesome here this weekend. But isn't that the problem? How he how he loves those I answers? I think that's also part of his I think that's also part of his personality, like his his humor. It's like messing with people. Where you get them all excited and all hot and bothered, and he just sits there and chuckles. Yeah. So, uh, do you have the the uh, Amanda Renner clip? I do from the interview. I I believe this was after this is when they delayed it on Saturday, so before the tournament had ended, before he had won. But they did a bunch of interviews to fill time. It's fun to be here. It's such a great event. Fans are amazing. A lot of people yelling different teams they want me to come to next year, um, which has been fun because uh, we got a little uh, inside bet going about which team's gonna have the most fans, but uh, it's been fun. I was going to say that for my last question, but you're leading me right into it. Is there maybe like a favorite color, favorite city that you might have on your mind for next season? I'm just going to say that the uh, predominant uh, team that we hear as we're walking is Raiders. A lot of a lot of Raider fans <laughs> are encouraging me. A lot of Devontae misses you comments. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we're having some fun with it. It's a great uh you know, great event for the fans to come out here, and hopefully we can get back on the course. Listen, if you want to break so, some news with us here on CBS, we would love for that to happen. But just think about it. You don't have to answer now. <laughs> Talk- it's fun to be here. So that's that. And then you obviously have Devontae, uh, who is doing some tweeting about buying okay, houses. Okay, real quick, real quick. If Master Troll Aaron Rodgers would have bet where she goes, oh, it's your favorite color, and, and you know, what do you, you hear in teams that want you – what if he goes, well, you know, the predominant team, the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, yep. Their fans have been great. But my favorite color is baby blue. What is he? Then everyone would run and say, oh, he likes the Raider fans, but he also thinks he looks great as a Tennessee Titan. He's friends with uh, Vrabel. It's all joke. Like, it's all dumb. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. If the Packers actually want him to play quarterback, he's under contract. This is all up to the Packers front office. Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. And that is the question. Uh, you do have the uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN did write this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he said this was Saturday, I believe, uh, in one of his columns from Buzz uh, that he always puts out, quote, Aaron Rodgers year to year approach to playing could complicate trade talks for the Packers. Several execs say. 
because it's hard to trade hefty capital for just one year. Teams would prefer at least two seasons with him. And then all these solutions as to whether you could have one of the picks be conditional or stuff like that. Uh, He goes on to say what's becoming clear is a trade feels more possible than ever. Backup quarterback Jordan Love is ready to play after three seasons in the shadows and the Packers are comfortable with his development. The New York Jets come up a lot when talking with teams about the pursuit of Rodgers and the feeling is that New York will at least try to make something happen. But the Las Vegas Raiders have the Devontae Adams connection to pitch. Uh, So none of that is is news necessarily. Um, And I agree with you. And I I, it obviously has to do with the Packers front office. Yet, if if they do want to move on, I think the conversation then goes to what places make the most sense. And I, I guess my biggest takeaway from from the weekend and all that stuff, and Devontae tweeting and Devontae talking at the Pro Bowl, is that aside from Devontae Adams being there, I don't think the Raiders make much sense as a destination for him. If I was Aaron Rodgers and I really did have an obsession with playing with Devontae Adams again, one, I would have said, why did you leave in the first place? Remember, the Green Bay Packers were the team that did offer him extension that actually was more than what the Raiders offered. Remember, all he did was having his little honeymoon with uh, Derek Carr, talking about how great he is, how he's a Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers, and they're great friends, and they're going to do great things. Now Derek Carr is dissing the Raiders at Pro Bowls uh, in interviews. Well, the saying Raiders how he's, tried to move on yeah, from saying him. he's out of there. They are moving. Now on. Devontae Adams is unhappy. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to go to that organization. I would rather bring Devontae Adams back to the Green Bay Packers, which feel like a more functional organization than the Las Vegas Raiders. That's not possible. But that's the thing. It's not possible because Devontae Adams wanted to go out west and do it with his buddy Derek Carr. Well, you know what? You can't do anything about it now. Well, I mean, part of the reason why he left is because he wanted a contract and the Packers could not discuss a contract with him until they got a commitment from the quarterback off seasons and off seasons ago. So yeah, he, I, he clearly got the short end of all the sticks going out there and then Carr is gone. I think now he is so publicly wanting Rogers to go there. Yeah, but here because Devonte made his bed. He has to lay in it. Yeah, like I this know. was his decision. But if you're him, you would also be out there trying to coerce uh, rod or trying to get the Raiders to go get him because you know, the alternate right now, like if card stayed, then Devonte doesn't do this because he knows a quarterback will give him the ball. The alternate to Rodgers for the Raiders is pretty bleak in terms of who's playing. I can't that believe position. you don't like Jarrett Stidham. Oh, come on. Jared Stidham was Jared Stidham, future Hall of Famer. J- Jared Stidham was good at Baylor years ago. And then he went to Auburn, where he was not. And then I he looks good. Like Hall I, future Hall of Famer. I, good beard. You know, like, like looks the part out on the field, but no, not in on Jared Stidham. But <laughs> did you see his end of year presser when no. they're saying, "Do you expect to be the starting quarterback next year?" He and said, he's yes. "Like he's like, well, I would like to think I could be. You know, I'm sure they're going to try and bring some other people in. You know, uh, I've always wanted to be a starting quarterback. It it wasn't very." convincing that he really thought he was some great player which I mean yeah history has told you he might not be but my big point here from all of this is that if Rodgers is to be traded if the Packers choose to move on and Rodgers if if all that stuff which obviously is the most important part if all that stuff happens I would put the Raiders fourth on the list that like would make the most sense to me I think like the Jets are number one 
because of the roster they have and Hackett and a good head coach or what seems to be a good head coach, good offensive talent. The Titans might be second because of the Vrabel thing and a good roster and a good defense. The Raiders had one of the worst defenses in football this year. They're not in a great place in the cap. Yes, they have a couple of good weapons, but I don't think anybody is sold on Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Like he'd be going there to spend his last year in an impossible division with the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Broncos. The Green Bay Packers and salary cap hell kicking more contracts down the road still probably put Aaron Rodgers in a better situation to win a Super Bowl next season than the Raiders. They do. But before we get into it, here is the clip of Devontae Adams trying to recruit Aaron Rodgers. Then we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back and talk about it. We can't help to notice you had some fun on social media talking about Aaron Rodgers can move into your neighborhood. Have you started recruiting Aaron Rodgers to be the new Raiders uh, quarterback? Duh. (laughs) Why would would anybody not do that? I mean, 100%. That's my guy, obviously, and wishful thinking, but we'll see what happens. What's your best recruiting pitch? Uh, that I'm here. <laughs> so that's, that's so that's, that's it. When you look at the Raiders, <laughs> the only part of the only part that's that would be strong. attractive for Rodgers is the fact that Adams is there. Yeah, that's not really that strong and convincing, right? Hey, the, I'm here. Right. The Packers give Rodgers next year objectively a better chance to win a Super Bowl than the Raiders do. Like they're they're just not ready to win. We don't know about the head coach. The division is impossible and the defense stinks. But back to the Aaron Rodgers and his landing spots. Ben, which ones do you like or think fit best if the Green Bay Packers do decide that they're going to trade them? Because let's not forget the Packers still pretty much hold most of the leverage here. Yeah, to me and a return is the most likely outcome, even more so than retirement. I, I think everyone agrees that he's coming back. A hundred percent. There's no way Aaron Rodgers walks away one after the season that he had. I don't think he could personally walk away where he's like, okay, I had a, a down offensive line. I had young and experienced receivers. I didn't have my best year and I had a broken thumb that on top of itself. Cause he knows he can still make some of the throws. Like look at some of the throws he made this year. He was still making Aaron Rodgers esque throws. And then on top of that, as of right now, as of February 6, 2023, Tom Brady is retiring. He's not going in with the same Hall of Fame class as Tom Brady. There's no way. For a guy that we know that some people will say has the ego or that some people will say is all about his stats and all about uh, you know his statistics and how great he was, you know he's not going to take you know second behind Brady. There's no way he's going to do that. And maybe third behind JJ Watt as well. I don't know if I would go that far, but how about a third point to that? All the money he would be leaving on the table. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of money in this contract. Yeah. I think the Brady thing would be third or fourth on the list of why he would return. I think the money and still wanting to play the game and thinking he can. And then the legacy of, of trying to get one more Super Bowl. I think that all matters more than the Brady thing. Like if Rogers really wanted to retire, it would not be the end all be all that Brady also happened to retire. Like, I don't think that'll sway his decision one way or the other, but uh, embrace debate is, is JJ Watt second to Tom Brady or is Rogers? No, absolutely absolutely not. If you want to criticize, if you want to criticize Aaron Rodgers for only having one Super Bowl, 
How many effing Super Bowls did J.J. Watt have? Oh, it's, it's hard to win as a defensive lineman. You know, he did all he could. The Texans just screwed him. How many years? Oh, my God, Ben Kenny. How many years have we had to watch Packer football where Aaron Rodgers did all he could and the defense sucked ass? Uh, that happened twice, probably three times, I'd say. What? Your, some of your mind-bending arguments against Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is unbelievable. I We didn't bring this up. You know, the thing is, you have to decipher whether this is a bit or not. You have to decipher whether we, I actually agree J.J. Watt should go over We him. didn't bring this up when Ebo and I talked about it when I believe it was you were on the Bill Michaels show. Oh, not this last week, but the end of the week before. And you said, Bill, we need to think about that this is just one. This was going into the 49er Eagle game. We got to think about this one game. We can't pin it on Jalen Hurts if he goes out there and plays awful and they lose the game. And then on the flip side, if we have like uh, Brock Purdy come out and play well, we can't just say he played well in this little. It's such a small sample size. It's such yeah. a small. Aaron Rodgers has played like 30 playoff games and he's looked bad in like four or five of them. That's a small sample size and a small percentage of bad games. They just happen to be the most recent ones. And you like to criticize them for it. Yeah, 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 I do. But you're giving a pass to Jalen Hurts, who's got no Super Bowls. No, it wasn't a pass. It was meant as as two quarterbacks that have not been here before. I said it will not. I, I said it should not be the thing that we bring away from this season, them being very young players. Like, not not in terms of like if they were old guys, then yeah, there are legacy games. There are certain games that you need for your legacy. Aaron Rodgers has as, as two guys that just made the playoffs for the first time. I was saying that going into next season, I do not believe the outcome of this game should be the thing that that really changes the way we talk about both because one of them in that setting was an MVP candidate and the other was someone who played fine but was somewhat propped up. Aaron Rodgers has played like twenty five to thirty playoff games in his career. And he's probably played bad where you're like, man, he looked awful. He's the reason why this team couldn't get on track and win. Maybe I'm going to say about four times. Sure. They just happen to be the most that's, re- recent ones. That's like one every six games. If you look at an NFL season now that there are 17 games, that's like three bad games in a year. No one would say boo if Aaron Rodgers played like an MVP for 15 out of 17 games or 14 out of 17 games, it would just be, oh yeah, that was his clunker. It's the same thing in the playoffs, but his defense had sucked. There had been some crazy moments that have happened that no one could foresee. I'm not trying to defend Rodgers. I just think the haters take an extreme approach and then at the same time flip and say, well, we can't just, we can't just grade Jalen hurts on one game. It's a small sample. Well, as a youngster, yeah, there are different points in their careers. It wasn't meant to be a very broad sweeping take to apply to all things. I just thought for those two quarterbacks, we should better contextualize what they did this season going forward when we talk about how good they can be. Because, again, they're young. They just got in the league. But uh, neither here nor there. Now, whether I believe J.J. Watt uh, should be above him, that is uh, Speaking of down seasons, J.J. Watt had quite a few down injured seasons. Now, yeah, I get it. He was great when he was on. Hey, but, uh, hey, if Deshaun Watson and that Texans team didn't completely blow it when they were up 24 nothing in Kansas City against the Chiefs that year, we could talk about J.J. Watt a little differently. I'll say that. Or I will say this about J.J. Watt. When they flashed up his final stats this season, I went, huh? J.J. Watt had double-digit sacks? 
This year? Yeah. No way. Yeah. He had like 10 and a half sacks, and I was blown away that he had that many sacks. Uh, he never quits, man. You know? It was like one of his better years in a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. 12 and a half sacks. First double-digit sack since 2018. Yeah, because that, man, that man, was like the 20, last. He had 20 and a half sacks in 2012. Yeah. J.J. Watt from 2012 to 2018 was the stud of all studs. Has Has Aaron Rodgers ever had 20 and a half sacks? Has J.J. Watt ever scored a touchdown? <laughs> yes. Four, I think. I'll find it. Remember when they used to put him at tight end? <laughs> he scored many touchdowns. Let me just, I, just, I'm find just think about what touchdowns. you said. He has scored a many touchdowns. Yeah. I think he's got four. Uh, no, he has six. One receiving. Excuse me. Three receiving. One of them came from Ryan Fitzpatrick. One from Ryan Mallett. And another from Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's three receiving touchdowns. He had a pick six off EJ Manuel. He had a fumble return touchdown. And then he had one pick six off Andy Dalton in the playoffs. I think I actually remember that playoff one. performer. But so it, six regardless, regardless, <laughs> looking at some of these potential Aaron Rodgers spots, like landing spots. Yeah. Which fits makes sense. Dude, I, uh, hardly any of them do in my opinion. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, two places do to me. New York, for obvious reasons. Number one, Hackett. He loves Hackett. And we've heard him talk about, you know, the the friendship and all the stuff, the camaraderie he shared with him. But they have the roster to win. The division is not overly challenging. The Bills are there. And the Dolphins are I think the Patriots okay. will be better sure. now that they upgraded in the OC position. Sure. It's harder than the, than the North, than the division they're in. But it's not the AFC West. And then... You're going and also to play with it for a head coach that many think is a legit head coach in Sala. And I, I think all the pieces around him would make a lot of sense there. It's that New York Jets or to me, it's Tennessee where do they have offensive weapons? No, but I think they would try to bring some in, but they have a defense that's ready to win. It, it's a the team has a mindset under Vrabel that I think would make life for Rodgers kind of easy. Like imagine if you put a really good quarterback behind that team for the last couple of years, they would have won a lot more games and Tannehill's been okay, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Tannehill's like a Kirk cousins. Sure. Sure. They're like the 12th best quarterback in the league when they play well, it's a bad place to be because you got to pay him a lot and you know, they're not going to win anything. Now I look at this and if I'm Aaron Rodgers, Sorry, Devontae, but there's no way I want to go to Las, no. Las Vegas. There's no it's a way. Disaster. Not to mention, Rodgers is very, like, he talks a lot about the mindset of his team, right? The mindset of his young guys and, and how they, how he makes bonds, I'll say, with guys in the room. Can you imagine being in Las Vegas and the distractions, See, just the automatic distractions? I don't think I'm as hot on Tennessee as you are. And the reason being is because of how bad that offense is. I know Aaron Rodgers has said the quotes in the past, like, hey, we got a defense and stuff like that. But do you think he really wants to continue to play with the lack of receivers that I think some Packer fans would argue he hasn't had some weapons here like last year? Except the weapons for Devontae. On par. And then some of the years prior, yeah, outside of Devontae Adams. I mean, there was even some seasons in there where Jeff Janis and the ancient James Jones at the time were some of your best guys. That's that would kind of be what he would be playing with. A combination of those two things in Tennessee. What they they still have an old Robert Woods coming off. He came yeah, off a knee injury. Well, he's done. 
They do have well. They just drafted three million in cap space. Well, they, they have the kid from uh, Traylon Burks. Burks from from Arkansas. They have the tight end Hooper, Chio Conquo. Now Hooper's more. I I don't think Hooper is going to give him much. I just don't see. And then you have an aging Derrick Henry. I don't. I it personally, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'd be like, I want some more weapons of this. Maybe if they said, maybe. If in the offseason they start by going out and getting a big-time receiver, then maybe. But I, I think Tennessee is very comparable to Green Bay right now. Yeah, but Tennessee has, I think, more cap space to do it uh, or has a has a potential to do it. They also missed the playoffs. I think the only clear-cut place for me where I think I would maybe have a better shot of winning it is New York. And that's because they do have some playmakers. They do have some skill position guys. They do have a good defense. It's a younger roster. I'm sure they still have some cap space. The only thing about that is I still have to go through Cincinnati. I still have to go through Buffalo. I still have to go through Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. You look at uh, Tom Brady retiring as of now, the great quarterbacks in the NFC are not even close to the great quarterbacks in the FC. Now, no, one we're thing, talking about this as if the Packers want to move on. I think we can all agree the Packers give him the best chance to win in terms of path because the division's bad, the conference is bad. Really, like if you look at the teams that succeeded this year, like you just need marginal improvements in a bunch of spots and you could be right there with it next year. This is if the see, Packers I'm wondering, choose to move on. I'm wondering if Miami is really out there looking for a new quarterback, that's because that's if, a good point. if they are, if they are, if you're Aaron Rodgers, how would you not want to throw to Tyreek Hill, Mike Gesicki, Jalen Waddle? I mean, Jeff Wilson is, has was traded for there. He was pretty solid before getting banged up like that. Offense can go now. Those are all question marks, but yeah, outside of that, I think for teams that have been quote unquote flirting with Rodgers or linked to Rodgers. I think it's Jets one, huge gap, maybe Tennessee, everyone else terrible. Well, his uh, playing partner, Ben Silverman, in the Pro-Am, they spoke after they won, and Amanda Renner asked Silverman where he wants Rodgers to play, and Silverman's a, a Dolphins fan. Well, we also don't care what Ben Silverman has to say as he's I, Canadian. I, I do not endorse the addition, I will say. Well, I'm sitting here thinking it's it's not a hey, we're gonna fire you. It's not you're fired. It's a we're looking for improvement, like you better figure it out or else yeah, then we're gonna fire you. And as I've said, I this off season, I'm happy to have those conversations. But like like the Mount Notice is like Hey, we're getting is it, it's not like hey, everyone's on the bandwagon is ready to to fire you with with pitchforks and it's out there. It's more like we're just counting our pitchforks in case we finally get everyone together. Sure. Do there always have to be four people on the mount notice? I think it sets the standard. Now, I did bring out I did bring out uh, journalism ethics. Oh, and we put God. that as a fourth head one. Are, are we done but with it was, that? But it was three people and then journalism ethics. Oh, oh, so goodness. so there's always four placeholders. I just like, listen, I understand why people are unhappy with guard, but we come like we had the same freaking conversation after the last time they lost. We have the exact same talk every time they lose a basketball game. 
So you have to ask, like, okay, if Chucky Hepburn hits that shot at the end of the game. Wait, are, are you starting to get frustrated by are, this? Are, are people in on guard? I'm just like. Are you starting to get frustrated with the the potential fire guard, guard hot seat talk? I don't think it should happen now. They're in the middle of a poor season. You have to. You have to one ask yourself: uh, Do the does the history of success and the history of showing that bounce back years happen under this coach? Do, does that not matter? Are we caught up in the moment of them losing games? Like they got swept by Northwestern, it stinks. But at the end of the day, I think this is a conversation we should have in the off season and see how he bolsters the team and sets them up for next year. I just I don't like coming on and saying the exact same thing after every loss, explaining it where. The guys can't make free throws. They're the worst free throw shooting team I've ever seen. And are there some parts of the game that fall on the head coach? Absolutely. But everybody, everyone comes out of their fire guard cave after every single loss with the same argument. I'm like, gonna, come on, what are we doing here? A loss to Northwestern does not get you fired as the head coach. Yeah, but we're not talking about a loss to Northwest. We're talking about two losses to Northwestern, Ben, and that hasn't happened in 25 years. But before I address you any further, but Northwestern's pretty good. Let's I'm going to the phone. 608-321-1670, line one. Who do we got? What's up, y'all? Oh, Chuck, you snuck in. He's gone. I, I'm, I'm going to address you now. Wait, let me, uh, real quick. This is a better Northwestern team than in the past. And I don't have their resume in front of me. I'll, I'll pull it up. But dude, they were talking about Chris Collins on the Brock. They're trying to make their second ever tournament under him. I understand. Second ever. I understand. But they were talking on the broadcast last night. And Northwestern probably has like their worst loss they were talking about is to Pittsburgh, who's probably an NCAA tournament team. They lost to Auburn. They're a top 15 team, but they they beat Indiana on the road. They beat Illinois at home. Like this isn't the worst north like this isn't normal northwestern. This is right? not your father's northwestern. No, I'm not saying that that they're very good, but it's not as if they're a pushover like Minnesota. Like if you start getting waxed by the worst teams in the country, then okay. But I I'll find where Northwestern sits in Kentucky. You Bond. had two they were like fifty something. You which had is, which is like like they're one behind Michigan. I think they were like fifty seven, and Wisconsin was sixty three. So they're fifty eight right now. Wisconsin sixty seven. Like they're clearly better than Wisconsin this season, but they're one behind Michigan. They're. It's not as if they're great, but they're not as. It's not a classic Northwestern loss. Well, here's the, this is the reason why it's it's egregious and bad. You lost to Northwestern twice for the first time in twenty five years. You lost both games by one basket. You had their big man in foul trouble in both games, and everyone knows that they are very limited once their center gets in foul trouble. You did exactly what you set out to do. You couldn't make free throws. Your offense was trashed down the stretch, and I think for a part of that, that is on guard. His play was Chucky Hepburn ISO. Chucky, go get us a bucket. Chucky, go make a play. Chucky, make a pass. He didn't make them. And it was awful. And the offense the last two minutes was terrible. And you lost the game. And it's two games where it's looked like that. Two straight games against the Northwestern team. That's average. Yeah, they'll probably make it as like a nine seed. Who cares? You should be beating that team. People have higher expectations for Badger basketball when you're talking about a Dick Bennett to Bo Ryan, now to Greg Gard, where they've basically made the tournament for, what, 23 out of the last 25 years? 
And I'm, the two times they didn't make it, that was under guard. I'm not saying that it's not at all. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that guard is completely free of blame here. And and obviously a lot of this stuff I would draw back to him. I guess I am just getting somewhat tired of having the same conversation after every loss they have. When, like, as I've said, the team is flawed. The roster's the roster was not best equipped to win this season, and he did not do a good enough job last offseason in bolstering the roster. So that only leads me. I think you only get so many passes. Like how many passes has he gotten? You can say that the the um, Ethan Hat Brad Davison freshman year, where they had Brad Davison playing with one shoulder because everyone was injured. And okay, so he's gotten one. So that's that's the one pass. So then what did he? But what did he do after that? Because I'm sure during that year, everybody thought the same thing. Oh, Bo Ryan's players are suddenly gone, and now the program's a disaster. What did he do with all of his recruits and so, his entire team? Is he won the Big Ten two out of three years, and he would have had a deep NCAA tournament run if there was a tournament, but there wasn't. You don't know if there would have been a deep run. We they we were the hottest seen, team in the country. But here's here's the other here's the other thing though. This would be his second pass year. I'm I'm not actively out here screaming I think he should be fired, but I definitely think the sheet the seat is hot. And if if they continue to struggle the rest of this season, like the way they're playing, they're not going to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They are going to be on the outside looking in. Now they can save themselves. Do I think they'd actually save themselves and make the tournament? No. I don't think we're watching Badger basketball in March Madness. And the NIT doesn't count. And I hope if they were invited to the NIT that they turn it down. But I actually think Greg Gard, some of his numbers some could be inflated. Because think about the team he had for two years after it was handed to him by Bo Ryan. They had the remnants of the Final Four team with Nigel Hayes. But it's not which, as if Gard wasn't there for that run. He was an assistant. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying is they had the remnants of the Final Four team. Yeah, they didn't have Frank. They didn't have Decker. But they still had Nigel Hayes. They still had Zach Showalter. They still had Bronson Koenig. They had some really damn good players there. And that was the couple years he made it to the Sweet 16. And then since then, it's like we're searching for a Sweet 16. And they failed with the Ethan Happier. They failed with the Johnny Davis year. It's a lot of... Johnny hey, Davis got hurt. Hey, we're one and done. Hey, we won one game and then got ousted in the round of 32. There hasn't been a Sweet 16. And I think you could easily make the argument that the reason they were in the Sweet 16 is because of the remnants of the talent from those final four teams that Bo Ryan had back-to-back. If Nigel Hayes and those guys weren't there, I don't think Greg Gard's team goes anywhere. And then we're talking about not having any final fours. Or, but, sorry, uh, Sweet 16s. But he, as a coach, I would say, is one of the reasons that team made a final four, because he was on the staff and he was there. It's not as if he was hired from the outside and then took over a team that was really good. He was part of the reason the team was really good. And I'm not even, I'm not talking about those years. I'm not talking about Sweet 16s. I'm talking about the last time this program had a down season was in 2018. And after that, he showed an ability with his own recruiting and with the portal, with Michael Potter, to rebuild, reload, go on another run. And the result of that run we saw was two Big Ten titles in three seasons. So, yeah, this is another down year. It's very important what he does going into next season. But 
that's when I think the conversation should be had. When we're into next year, if we have it after every loss they have this season, like, like yes, he could do a better job coaching this team and getting, I, I mean, situational basketball, I guess, but this it, is, it would be great if they could make free throws. I guess going into the offseason is when I'll have this conversation because I, I am somewhat tired in having it after every loss they have. Right, like, like, what if they go lose to? Uh, they play Purdue later, number one team in the country. Oh, this team stinks. It's like, yeah, we knew they're not very good. They're they're playing. Yeah, but the Northwestern at schedule. home is a game that you needed, especially with the stretch that you have. I'm not realistically thinking that they beat Purdue, but you could very well have beaten Northwestern. You should have probably beat them twice, if not split one and one. But look here at what Wisconsin has done under Greg Gard. 15 and 16. That was when they lost in the Sweet 16. That was when they had the Nigel Hayes, the Bronson Koenig. The next season, again, those guys were seniors. A lot of talent lost in the Sweet 16. Since then, Ben, since then, they missed the NCAA tournament. That was when they had a lot of injuries. Give them the pass. The next season, they lose in the NCAA first round. The season after that, 1920, yeah, they won the Big Ten. They were definitely robbed due to the COVID that shut down the tournament, but every team was robbed. 2020-2021, lost in the second round. Last season, lost in the second round. Since those two years with the Nigel Hayes, the Bronson Koenig, the Zach Showalter type teams, they have not made one Sweet 16 and not one since 2016-17 season. It's 2023. Sure. I don't directly judge a head coach based on whether they make the Sweet 16. I guess that's where I differ from other people because you have to that's look at what, that's what Dick. That's what the Dick Bennett, Bo Ryan, Wisconsin basketball culture, it was like, got to make the NCAA tournament. Sweet 16 is the goal. Now, obviously, they took those those goals even higher with the back-to-back Final Four runs. But I don't think it's it's over overly realistic to say our goal is to make the tournament every year and try to make the Sweet 16. Since then, they're probably going to miss the tournament in two of those years, and they have not reached a Sweet 16. You look at the roster next year? Again, we talked about this with the roster... But the whole do, point is that he's who do you going, think who do you think can get better next year on this roster? They, they can bring the entire team back. They have that ability. Jacoby Neath and Tyler Wall do have their fifth year of eligibility where they can both come back. Say they all come back. What players on this roster do you think really take steps? Connor Asijan? Okay, that's one. I think a lot of the other players on this team have kind of maxed out their ceilings outside of some of the young guys like a Marcus Ilver. But I think Max Klesman kind of is what he is. But the whole I point is Wall what they is do what in the offseason. The whole point I'm making is... But that's what I'm saying. Their recruiting class isn't that great. Gus Gus Yeldon has to come in and play well. But now you're talking about a big center that, that's going to be inexperienced. The other two guys, I doubt they come in and play right away. And then we're talking about the recruiting class after that. If they don't have some big miracle transfer portal. I don't see this team getting any better for next year. But the whole point is what can guard do to make it better, which is, I think the discussion will have this off season, which again so, is the important part of this conversation. I don't want to look back at his old tenure and say, cause they're losing games right now. Oh, 
haven't made the Sweet 16 in this long. Because, because I don't think it's important at all. It's not important to next season. What's important to next season is how they improve the team. Can we agree on this? If they don't make the tournament this season, they go into next year with the recruits that they have, the roster basically being the same, and they don't actively look at the portal and they don't grab any talent, and then we watch this same type, this same exact team outside of a few recruits do the same exact thing. Uh, can we not say that uh, the hot seat is as hot as it's ever been and there might need to be a change? I would say that the seat would be pretty warm at that point, yeah. But that I feel again, like it's pretty warm right that again now. Is, uh, in the eyes of the fans. We don't know in what the Chris McIntosh yeah, is thinking. None of us know what the administration is thinking, but the eyes of the fans, I would say the seat is already decently hot, especially the last three weeks. But the, the fans have wanted him fired since he started as the head coach. The fans have wanted him fired this entire time. The, the fans want him fired every time they lose a game. Right? Do you think, do you so think where the was fans... everybody when they were winning last year? Because, I, again, I hear people call in. They say, oh, they only won because of talent last year. It's like, do you want to give him credit or not? Because you're ripping him when they lose. Do you but, think, but when they win, it's something else. Do you think the fans could have been right? Because if you remember going back to when guard took over, Bo Ryan had that little what month, month and a half where he stayed on as a coach, and then some speculate that, you know, the only reason why he stayed on was to make sure his guy, Greg Gard, got the job so he could kind of give him an opportunity to to um, almost audition for the job. And then Barry Alvarez, because they played well, because they had a lot of freaking talent, kind of had his hands tied and was like, you know what, I kind of got to go with this guy. Bo put me in this situation. They played well. You know, I can't really make a real decision. What, were the fans right if they would have just went another direction before? No, I don't think so. Because I don't know who, like, again, in the last three years, you want to take away what he did with Bo Ryan's players. Fine. Look at what has happened since their last down season. They've won the Big Ten twice. And and again, I, I believe, like, yeah, Sweet 16s are cool. But how do you make it to more Sweet 16s and deeper runs? It's by being a great team in the regular season, which they consistently are. They just got hit with tough luck twice. They won the Big Ten twice. The first time, there was no tournament. There was no March. The second time, their best player got hurt in the end of the regular season. And in the tournament, their point guard got hurt. Let's go to the phone. 608-321-1670, line one. Who do I got? Uh, you have Marquette Pete. What's up, Pete? Hey, I, Marquette Pete has switched his name from Pete from Monona. He is all in on the Marquette bandwagon. Is that what I'm getting, Pete? Well, I, I, I mean, I'll just ask you a question. What's the difference between my alma mater and uh, Ben Kenny's? Uh, you went to both of them. So. I would say one team is ranked and is playing good basketball atop of their conference. The other one is not playing good basketball, not ranked, and probably not going to be in the tournament. And Wisconsin still beat them. Oh, and they, and they also spent some money and hired a coach who, who doesn't have a team that looks like what the ACC and the SEC look like at the end of the 1970s. Pete, where the hell were you last year, though? Right? Like, I, I'm sure you didn't give him much credit for what he did last season. I was Marquette Pete last year. Oh, and one more thing about Ben Kenny. Please, Ben, stay in broadcasting. Don't, don't manage anybody's money or whatever because, Why is that? You, you know, you're, you're way too, uh, 
easy to, you know, you, 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 you don't expect a lot, you know, you'll just, I mean, if somebody's <laughs> like losing 10% of their portfolio, you'll say, yeah, but 12 years ago, you got 3%, you know, so don't, don't do that. Pete, you guys like are that. the ones pointing to seven years ago about, uh, you know, how, how great sweet 16s were. Sorry, I don't give a damn about sweet 16s. I never point to that. Well, look, I just, I, the guy, he might be a good coach and he might be a good human being. He's just a lousy recruiter. And like I said, the team looks like the, the ACC and the SEC teams look like in, in the late seventies, you know, this is the 21st century. Yeah. They're having a bad year. Hey Pete, to your point with the recruiting, this roster could essentially be the exact same as it is this year. And I don't really see that getting any better outside of be. the outside of the three recruits and, and the portal. This we is know the Wisconsin point. freshmen don't come in and are really never anything. Connor is Seijin. Okay. Decker was solid, but that's, there's not a ton of great ones. He's not a very good recruiter. You know, like I said, he might be a good coach, but so what college college sports is all about recruiting. That's it. They're no, you know, I don't, I mean, uh, Nick Saban, take, uh, uh, he, he, he was a he, he was such a failure as a as a, a a pro coach. Didn't he quit before the season was over? Now he's a genius. You know, it's the same thing with uh, uh, oh god the the guy the Ohio State coach. Urban Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, right. What he, he couldn't make it through the season either. Well, that's because he's an idiot. Recruiting. Pete, Pete, that's that's because he's an idiot. Oh, okay. So he, he, that's he, different. He it's not idiot. like he was an idiot and won at Ohio. Wait, what are we not going to look at Pete Carroll? Like, like the jump happens. There are examples okay, well, in every direction. Pete Carroll didn't do anything until, uh, 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 Wilson got there. Pete, no one's ever done anything until they get a good quarterback and a good player. So, okay. Well, so I don't anyway, know what we're doing here. Ben, stay in broadcasting, you know, right. and don't manage anybody's money. Thanks Pete. I appreciate it. <laughs> 